he now can look at the cross and the empty tomb and the resurrection and the ascension into heaven and we can literally see it with our hearts and worship you. Jesus, thank you for being so good and real to us. And God, may you be worthy in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good to see all you guys. Friday night, we're here. We're here. And all God's people said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of mixed feelings, right? Um, it's been awesome to preach to you guys. I love you guys. It's been awesome to meet you and talk to many, many, many of you. Um, it's been really a joy for me, and I, and I really praise God for all of you guys. And um, so God's just been doing some amazing things. I mean, there's been a lot of people saved in the last 24 hours. Amen? Man! Oh. So cool. So amazing. Uh, there was a, there was a, a gal who uh, was touched by the, the message last night, but didn't get saved last night, would pray it over, think it through, and it was really cool to interact uh, with her, and it was after breakfast she got saved and trusted Jesus, and we got the opportunity to talk with her, and that was just, I mean, that was worth my whole day. It was so good, so good to rejoice, yes, so good. Um, so God is so good. I'm excited. Consider this message like the launch off point for the celebration for tonight, okay? Can we think of the message that way? That this will be a launch off point for massive glory to go to Jesus and for God to be glorified for the rest of the evening. And, uh, you know, I'm glad it's, well, I'm not glad it's raining. I wish it weren't raining so we could do the fire, you know, fire testimony. But it's going to be really good in here. It's going to be really good. So God is good. I'm going to be praying over you guys um, as we go from here. And for those of you who have trusted Christ, I'm seeking to get your address because I want to write you guys each cards and just encourage you in your walk with God. And uh, we just praise God for you guys. So let's read God's word together. And as we open up, open up to Romans 3. Romans chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 9 through 12, and then we're going to be reading verses 21 through 31. And John mentioned in Acts 20, 20 this morning that the Apostle Paul, when he stood before the elders at Ephesus, he said, you'll never see my face again. It's Friday night at camp. All right, so I'm not trying to be weird about it, but I am trying to say it how it probably should be said. For some of you, and maybe many of you, I will truly never see your face again until eternity. That's a true statement. I've been a pastor long enough to know that crazy things happen. In our lives, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So for some of you, it'll be the last time I ever physically see you on the earth. Kind of weird, right? It's true. And I just want you to remember that I didn't shrink back from telling you the truth because I love you. And by God's grace, Romans 3 will be a great celebration 
of Jesus Christ. And hopefully it'll be a great encouragement to you. So let's dig in. Starting verse 9 of Romans 3. What then, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. So it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Skip ahead to verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus then what becomes of our boasting it is excluded by what kind of law by a law of works no but by the law of faith For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen? Let's uh, let's pray together. Father, what an awesome week you've given us. Lord, it's been amazing to see you working, saving people from their sins, causing believers to repent and get right. God calling some to ministry. That's an amazing, amazing thing. God, we stand in awe of you because you are the only one who deserves the glory and the praise. And we thank you for Jesus Christ. For his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And oh God, he is our good and faithful and amazing hope tonight. And God, may he take center stage so that we all might bow down at his feet. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in Romans 3, Paul has established, you know, Romans 1 and 2, that everyone is under sin. He will now begin in Romans 3 to bring in the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is how all people, Jews and Gentiles, church kids and unchurched kids, can get to a place where they are rescued and accepted by God. So the good news is that there is a pathway for you and I to be rescued by God, accepted by God, and on this pathway, it's called the gospel. Both church kids and unchurched kids 
can get rescued by Jesus, pulled out of the avalanche of God's wrath, and brought not only back to the top of the mountain that we were been looking at the last two nights. No, no, no. Jesus has even greater places to take us than the top of a mountain. Can I get a witness? Jesus makes a pathway for us to go straight into heaven. And when we come into God's presence, God the Father's presence, we will not only go there, but we will find acceptance through Jesus' blood sacrifice and his resurrection from the dead. So the sermon title this morning is Rescued. Did I say this morning? Tonight. It's been a long week. All right. My sermon title is this, Rescued and Accepted. And the theme of the week has been going all in for Christ and finding a new identity. And the big idea of this message tonight is that there's only one pathway to being rescued by Jesus and given eternal life. There's only one pathway. So the question might come, how can I be rescued from the avalanche that I've been feeling? How can I be rescued from this avalanche of God's wrath and accepted into God's presence? Well, there's only one pathway to acceptance. There's only one pathway to be rescued by Jesus, but there are three stops along the way. And we're going to look at those three stops, and Paul's going to show us three stops that we need to make on the pathway out of the avalanche to the very holiness of heaven. And stop number one is this, that none is righteous. None is righteous. In chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, it says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. We have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside together, they have all become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Paul has hammered home the reality in chapters 1 and 2 that church kids are in trouble and unchurched kids are in trouble Jews and Greeks, religious and pagan, everybody is under sin. There is not one person who is righteous on the earth based on their own merits or own good works. Here's what I mean. You can't dig yourself out from this avalanche. Did you know avalanche studies show that if you are in an avalanche and all the snow comes down on you, you have 15 minutes 15 minutes. If someone doesn't come and find you within 15 minutes, you're dead. And I was watching a video on this, and there was a guy who lives in Idaho, and he's a cra- he's just crazy guy. There's all these backcountry crazy guys. Can I get an amen? They're all over the United States, right? So they, there's this guy who lives in Idaho, and, and he does snowmobiling for fun. And he goes way up high on all these huge snow-capped mountains. And this guy was buried alive in an avalanche. Luckily, three of his friends found him within seven minutes and dug him out or else he would have been dead. And he said this. He said, you know, when you're down underneath an avalanche, he's like, it's true what they say. The snow as you're going down in the avalanche, feels like water. But it sets like concrete. 
And he said, you know, I, it felt like water as I was going down. It just felt very flowy. And then all of a sudden, when it stopped, all that snow stopped flowing. And it was just... And he said, I've never been so scared in all my life. And I think that's what you talk about when you're talking about being a sinner. You can't dig yourself out. You can't do enough good works. You can't be good enough. You can't be righteous enough. And the clock is running out. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. You got 15 minutes or else you're dead. You know, the night I got saved, if we go back to Monday's sermon, and I think we have a picture that we can show you. The night I got saved in New York City, when I became a Christian, I was there. This is where I was. Now, this was the summer of 1999, which shows you how old I am. Can I get a witness, right? Amen. This is the World Trade Center. There's the Marriott Hotel. I was hanging out up here doing laundry, like being a little rebel, right? And I come down and I get saved, but here's the thing. I knew that night, the night that I got saved, I knew it was time to get humble. I knew it was time to have a humble recognition. I knew it was time for me. I tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. I'm sitting in this laundry room, and I know that I'm feeling something, and I go down, and the weight of my sin moved me into a place where I believed. I got saved in that building. It's kind of cool when you can Google where you got saved like that and find pictures. Maybe show the next picture here. About two years later, this is what was happening. That hotel was burned to the ground. My wife and I went and visited that location about three years ago. It was amazing and eerie at the same time to go back to the place where I was saved and to see that everything that I remember is gone now, but it was in that moment, right? It's not about bricks and mortar. It's about what God did in my heart in that moment. At that moment, on that night, it was a time for humble recognition that I wasn't righteous and I think that's the first stop we have to make on the way to meeting Jesus is saying, Jesus, I know that you are good and I am not. And it's that humble recognition, that willingness to surrender it all to Jesus that puts us on the pathway to eternal life. And that leads us to stop number two, that Jesus paid it all. Stop number two is that Jesus paid it all. Verses 21 through 25. And now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might have that verse memorized. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus paid it all. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection has provided rescue and acceptance in God's eyes. Do you know it takes righteousness to get into heaven? you got to be perfect, man, to get in there. And Jesus provides that perfection through his death, burial, and resurrection. And it is our faith in Christ that gives us the righteousness of God that we need. 
Jesus satisfies the righteousness of God that is required to go to heaven. Okay, nothing else will cut it. You know, I was talking to a girl on the plane the other day. And if you're here two days ago for deeper, you know where I'm going. I was talking to a girl on the plane. I was witnessing to her. And, and her name, let's just say her name's Lindsay. And Lindsay was coming back from European trip. She had gone to Greece to help support a friend for a marriage. And I'm just kind of talking to her. And I said, Lindsay, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just so good. You know, coming back from Greece. And it was just so amazing. And the sun is so nice. And it's just so good. Life is so good, Lindsay. And we're just now I'm coming back to Chicago. And I haven't slept in like 48 hours. But I'm still bubbly. I'm still bubbly. And I'm like, wow, you are annoying. But... <laughs> I didn't say that, I just thought it, and I asked Jesus for forgiveness later, okay? But we got into her beliefs. I said, Lindsay, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Oh yeah, I have spiritual beliefs, I have spiritual beliefs. What are your spiritual beliefs? Um, I believe in kindness. In kindness. Like, oh, you believe in kindness. That's so terrible, you know? Like, I don't know what to say, I just believe in kindness. And I said, um... So you believe in kindness. I said, um, if your beliefs were wrong, would you want to know about it? And she's like, no, not really. I'm just kind of good with kindness, and, you know. And, okay, all right. So if you're on, on your socials at all, you'll see pictures like this. Can we put up the kindness ones? Okay, this one was one that I found. Be kind or be quiet. <laughs> I'm just, that's not very kind, is it? That's not very kind. <laughs> Be kind or be quiet. I, I, the, the social media warriors out there, mostly ladies, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on, but it's mostly ladies here. Like, it's mean. You're trying to tell everybody to be kind, but you're mean about it. Be kind or be quiet. Okay, you're being really mean in the name of kindness. All right, next one. Next one is, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Be kind. You know what I'm saying? Like This is all over. This is all over the place. Listen, when we stand before God, I'm not against kindness. I'm all for kindness. I think the Bible talks about kindness all the time. But I think if you're going to stand before Almighty God, you need to say, I need a lot more than kindness to get in. Amen? I need Jesus. I need his righteousness. I need my faith to count for something that is righteous in God's eyes. Kindness won't cut it. Neither will any other doctrine that is not ultimately tied to Jesus Christ. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Which means Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has provided redemption for sinners. Redemption is being released from slavery or imprisonment. It's like being released from the avalanche that feels like water sets up like concrete. The miracle of Jesus is that he, through his cross, death, resurrection, he pulls us out of this, this amazingly powerful avalanche and he says, I got you and I'm going to release you from this. Praise God. And this means Jesus alone. He's the only one who has done the work and has the power and the authority for you to be rescued from your sins. 
He's the only one. I can't rescue you from your sins. Amen? I can't do it. Your youth pastor can't do it. Pastor Phil can't do it. Dave can't do it. Nobody else at this camp can do it. Only Jesus has the power and the authority to rescue you from your sins, redeem you from it, and give you freedom in him. Um, There's a song by Matt Redman called You Alone, and it says, You alone can rescue. You alone can save. Some of you know this song. You alone can lift us from the grave. You held us out of darkness, called us out of death. To you belong the highest praise. It's one of my favorite songs. It's a really good one. But Jesus alone is the one who's paid it all. And you see later on in verse 25 that God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood. Jesus was put forward by God to provide a satisfactory payment for the wrath that rested on us as sinners. Propitiation means wrath removing sacrifice. Jesus was the one who took all the sin that you and I commit and he took it all on himself and that sacrifice was good enough in God's eyes to allow us into heaven with perfection. That's amazing. So Jesus brings the best news for everybody here tonight. For the unchurched kid, faith in Jesus means that the ingratitude and the no rules and the celebrating the wrong things life you were living can be forgiven and God's wrath has been poured out on Jesus for you to be forgiven. Praise God. And Jesus also brings the best news for the church kid as well. The judgmentalism, the hypocrisy, the blasphemy can all be forgiven because God's wrath was poured out on Jesus so that the church kid can be saved. So the unchurched kid can finally look, if you've received Jesus as an unchurched kid, you can finally look at God and say, I'm joyfully satisfied at last. Praise God. And the church kid can look at the gospel because Jesus is the propitiation. He's the wrath taker. The church kid can say, I finally have genuine humility and joy. This is good stuff. And the second stop in being rescued and accepted by God is seeing that Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. The cross was enough. That's good to say. In a world where all of our stuff never seems to be enough. The cross was enough. We had, we've had many teenagers and many young men and young women, even today, experience that for the first time. The cross is enough. Praise God. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. He has power to free people from their sin. He's alive. He's going to reign in heaven forevermore. And Jesus will bring us home when we're old and wrinkled by God's grace. And we are getting ready to cross over from life to death. Jesus will carry us home. Amen? Amen. That's the promise we hold on to. That this is not the end. This is the beginning. This 70 or 80 year life that God gives us according to Psalm 90 is the beginning of the greater thing. And if we know Jesus, it's eternal life. Which leads us to our last stop on the pathway to redemption and eternal life. And that stop is all to Jesus I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. Verses 27 through 31. 
What then becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by works apart from the law. So then what becomes of our boasting? This is a great question from Paul. If salvation is by grace, through faith, through Jesus as the propitiation, the wrath-removing sacrifice, what becomes of our boasting? The answer is, it is excluded. So because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, there is no sinful boasting in salvation. This is good. It means that if you get saved, you don't get to brag about it. Can I get a witness? If you get saved, all you can say is that God did it. God saved my soul. God gave me grace. God gave me eternal life. And that leads to joy. There's no boasting in law-keeping or religiosity. I went to church today. I did really good. I performed well. I spoke well. Right? That would be lame Amen? Lame-o. There's no boasting in self-righteous virtue signaling. Like, you know, I live a good life. I I make all the right social media posts. I do all the right things at the right time. There's no boasting about that in genuine salvation. There's no boasting in churches. Look how big my church is. Look how cool my church is. Look how awesome my church is. There, there's no, none of that. I get to go to church, praise God. Whatever form it takes, I get to go to church. And there will be no boasting in heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. Heaven would be the worst place ever if sinful boasting were allowed. Can you imagine going to heaven someday? You're walking up to somebody, hey, how'd you get here, man? Like, well, bro, I got a heavenly side hustle. Gotta say I'm pretty sweet, pretty good, right? And you're like, oh, lame bad. I don't like this heaven, right? And if there was somebody else, you go to somebody else, and how'd you get to heaven, man? Well, our soup kitchen was amazing. We had a great mercy ministry. We did all these things. It was called the Get to Heaven Soup Kitchen. Lame. Paul is saying that when genuine salvation comes to somebody, it comes all through Jesus, and there is no boasting in self. Praise God. We are justified by faith, of faith, through faith, and we are accepted by God. And it only comes in one way, by faith in Jesus alone. I think we should bring in Billy Graham at this point to talk about what faith is because it's listed like four times. Billy Graham says we must understand that this word believe or faith, what it implies, it means committing or surrendering. Believing is your response to God's offer of mercy, love, and forgiveness. So Jew or Gentile, religious or pagan, churched or unchurched, anyone, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is justified in God's eyes. Declared righteous. And some of you are so close to this. You're so close. Even just last night and into this morning, there's so many of you that are so close. You're like, I just want it so bad. You're almost there. You're almost there to trust in Christ authentically. We are your biggest fans and prayer warriors for you to do that. But this faith is simple, genuine, life-changing, and it's a surrender to Jesus based on what you know of him. Now, 
this illustration comes from something I heard from Alistair Begg. He's a preacher in Cleveland. And it's regarding the thief on the cross. Because you might be wondering, well, what kind of faith do I need? What kind of, I mean, do you have to have a seminary degree to get to heaven? Is that what you need? You need a Bible college degree? Here's just a testimony. You know, the thief on the cross, the guy hanging next to Jesus that mocked Jesus, cussed at Jesus, but eventually turned his heart around and surrendered his life to Christ. Now, just imagine if that thief gets into heaven, (laughs) right? Is anybody on earth believing that that guy got to heaven? Seriously. That guy himself probably is like, this is awesome. I can't believe I made it. But let's just say he gets into heaven by the grace of God. By faith, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, just imagine if he's interviewed when he comes into heaven by the theology committee at heaven, right? Hey, good evening, sir. Um, uh, welcome to heaven. It's good. How did you get here? He's like, um, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I mean, I was on a cross. Guy in the middle said I could come, Right? That's about it. The guy in the middle said I could be here. But I'm serious. Like, imagine the theology committee in heaven saying, okay, tell us what you know of justification by faith. We need to make sure you're square on that doctrine. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. Uh, Yeah, but what about the hypostatic union? I mean, you need to know and have a good explanation for the hypostatic union. Do you have anything for us? Guy in the middle said I could be here, right? So, yeah, but what's your, how do you understand ordo salutis? I mean, like, is it regeneration, conversion, justification, repentance, and faith? Or, or is it a different order than that? How do you know the order of salutis? Can you just talk to us about that? I don't understand what you asked me there. Are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? <laughs> End times now. Yeah, it was the end of my time, so I'm believing the guy in the middle. (laughs) Are you a trichotomist or a bichotomist? You know, I, yep, I don't know which ist I am. Listen, all I know is that the guy in the middle told me I could be here. Do you understand the simplicity of faith? The guy that never cussed at me, prayed for those who persecuted him, he seemed to have a kingdom that was not of this world, and I said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, I get to be here, so I'm here. That's what saves somebody. Simple faith of what you understand. You don't need a college degree to be saved. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to run a camp for a living. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a counselor. You just need to have simple faith that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And if you do that, you are saved. The same is true for the woman at the well in John 4. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
Same thing's true with the man born blind in John 9. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't really know. But what I do know is I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. Praise God. How about the woman with the bleeding problem in Mark 5? If I could just touch the hem of his garment, if that's all I can do, I'll reach out and do that. What about Zacchaeus, that wee little man in Luke 19? How about the wee little guy? What was he doing? Climbing up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? That's how the song goes. And then he gets saved and he says, whatever, I, you know, whatever I've done to wrong people, I'll pay it back four times. What about Peter, the stubborn fisherman? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You don't have to be able to pass every systematic theology exam in order to be genuinely saved. You just need to genuinely give your heart to Jesus. Say, all to Jesus I surrender. Jesus is worthy. Believing in him is surrendering your life to him. And he'll give you eternal acceptance. He'll rescue you from that avalanche and he'll bring you into the presence of God. Perfect. Three things I won't believe when I get to heaven. Okay, this has been shared millions of times from the pulpit. Who's there? Who's not there? And the biggest miracle of all, that I'm there. So, senior high camp, there's only one pathway to be rescued by Jesus and given eternal life, and that's putting your faith in him. So many of you have already put your faith in him, and I'm so excited for those who have trusted in Jesus. My question comes to the rest of you. Is your faith in Jesus tonight? Have you made those three stops on the pathway to eternal life? Have you come to terms with the fact that there is none righteous? Have you come to see that Jesus did indeed pay it all for you and me? And have you come to that point where you can say for yourself, all to Jesus, I surrender. It's time to go all in with Jesus and get a new identity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in the word. Jesus, you are so awesome, so amazing. The justifier of the ungodly. You're ready, you're willing to receive anybody who puts their faith and their trust in you with all their heart. God, may you cause even those whom you've been working on all week, may this be the night they surrender to you. Thank you for the amazing works you've done this week. Thank you for the amazing power of the gospel message which seeks and saves those which are lost. Thanks for saving people this week, God. We give you all the glory. Thanks for the amazing works of sanctification you're doing as well. God, it's been awesome. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.